right, talk Derby to me. Uh, football returns, football's coming back on uh, on Saturday, Derby away to Millwall. Two very special guests that know how to do this a lot better than me. Uh, Chris Parsons from the uh, Steve Bloomer's Washing podcast. Um, he's, he's had some amazing guests, brilliant podcast. Uh, it's, it's similar to ours, but very professional and done a lot better. How are you, Chris? All right, mate. Yeah, that's uh, well. That's some very kind words there. That's very uh, generous of you to say so. Uh, yeah, getting uh, getting by. Looking forward to football returning in uh, in whatever form it turns out to be. But uh, yeah, all good at this end. It's not going to be quite the same. It's your, your second appearance on the podcast. Was it Fulham away? Yeah, we had a lovely walk down the uh, along the banks of the Thames, didn't we? Before uh, yeah. Derby got. Before one of Derby's many three 0 three nil away defeats this season, it was uh, probably the highlight of the evening, to be honest. Yeah, I think it was my fifth Derby away game of the season, and my fifth three nil visit to London, or something along <laughs> them lines. So yeah, another another thriller. And uh, I'm under a bit of pressure today because uh, Coles is here, Chris Coles, <laughs> the master. <laughs> so uh, this is my opportunity because I'm not going to lie, I want his job. So, are we cozy? This is it. This is this is going to be at all, is it? Um, no. Well, no, I've got you to thank for for you know making making most of BBC Radio Derby sports and vaguely passable. So, um, so this will be this will be an experience. Yeah, I'm good. Like Chris, looking forward to it all returning. It feels, it still feels strange until that ball is kicked and it goes over that white line for the first time. I won't believe it's back. But in, and when it returns, it'll be it'll be joyous. A month and a half of wall to wall football. It still doesn't quite, it's what, three days, four days away. It still doesn't seem like we're three days away from a football match. It doesn't quite seem real, does it still? It's so surreal. Yeah, it's going to feel a bit more, probably feel a bit more real when, uh, I don't know what, I don't know what's going out, but when like the Premier League returns midweek and there's what, like Villa, Sheffield United and Arsenal Man City and a, is there a, game on, a couple of games on Friday night as well. There's basically like two yeah. games a day for about, eight days out of nine it's like sort of the, the best bit of like the world cup basically like it's, it's literally wall-to-wall football for the best part of a month so i think once the premier league cogs start turning then uh, i think people start to get a flavor for it again and then you know you have all the preview stuff like you guys do on, on radio derby and uh, you know the local paper and local media and stuff and then i think it'll just be like getting back on a horse again won't it? it'll be like uh, you know it'll be like no no three months hasn't passed at all it does feel, major tournament is a great comparison. It does feel like we're mm. about to embark on a, a European Championships or a World mm. Cup. And uh, when the Preston game got moved for TV and it was a five o'clock on July the 1st, I thought that's got a very World Cup semi-final feel to it. And that's, you know, everyone's, everyone gather around and get the beers in, you know, Wednesday, 1st of July, five o'clock kickoff, live on TV. So yeah, finish, work, finish work early, that sort of thing. Exactly, yeah, yeah, and, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Go back to your own living room to watch it from a socially acceptable distance. Uh, but yeah, bring it on. And hopefully when it all goes without, you know, without fuss and the Premier League comes back, it'll be just really interesting because I don't think anyone knows what to expect. And if the Bundesliga is anything to go by, we could be in for some really interesting results. Mm. I kind of had that, that feel about it because I got sent, <clears throat> sent some shifts and it, one of them was like, do you want to work a midweek game Wednesday, 1st of July, Preston? And my first reaction was no. <laughs> I wanna, I wanna, I wanna watch it. But then I had the realization of it. it's, it's Preston away, Blake. We've got an outside open court. Just work. But it has got that excitement of like, yeah. yes, we're on telly. We're, it's, just, it's just incredible. Are you relishing the challenge of it being so different, Colsey? Or because it's, it's going to be different for you, isn't it? You're not going to be in the ground. 
you're not going to be able to do the normal thing, but we, we've spoken briefly, but you've got to kind of relish the challenge of trying to be the eyes and ears, really, haven't you? Well, this is it. I mean, I think for, for us in particular, it's, it's a great chance to, to maybe showcase to a brand new audience what we, we can bring to the table. Because if you take Pride Park and it, it, what averages this season, good probably 26, 27, 28,000. So the fact that, that Pride Park will be empty for the remaining home games, it means that fans will have to find other avenues to watch and listen. We know that it is available to, to watch and, and we know that uh, the EFL part of their prerogative is to make sure that, that the club streaming services are available so for Rams TV and you know we're all growing up Rams TV do an exceptional job you know that they really do that they are one of the better uh, football club medias out there so they will do a fantastic job and, and all those that cover it I think will will also do do it justice uh, yeah it'll be it'll be really interesting I think it'll be disappointing not to be at the ground although obviously completely understand the reasons behind it but you have to just embrace the challenge and just look forward to, to football returning and always have in the back of your mind that you have the ability, as I'm sure you guys are, can, can vouch for as well on your respective podcast, that you actually now have the chance to tap into a whole new audience that, that aren't used to maybe taking in Derby County from other sources because they are going home in a way and, and that's it. So, yeah, bring it on. Chris, are you, as a fan, because I'm kind of, um, I spoke to another Derby fan earlier on and, spoke about a few things and one of the overriding things was we've eaten into Rooney time and we're also not going to see him but that but that's like a, a facet of I'm kind of buzzing that we're going to have some football but I'm absolutely gutted that I'm not going to see Derby County for a while you, how do you feel about it coming back is it excitement yeah it's, it, it was so exciting to you know when, when Rooney signed like seeing him and seeing him in the flesh like, I've only been to a couple of games when he's played but you know seeing him seeing him out there yards from you you know in in the black and white it gives you a genuine buzz and the fact we won't be able to do that anymore is um is one of the many downsides we're gonna have to put up with as a result of this but um yeah it's gonna be surreal it's gonna be strange but i think in the grand scheme of things we are doing what is necessary really in 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 terms of getting the sport back on track, getting towards some sort of normal schedule. I, I don't really feel like we had a huge amount of choice, really. Um, I'm just glad that uh, I'm, I'm glad that, that the, the authorities are taking it seriously and that the players are being tested like regularly. And uh, I know there's the odd, the odd positive test is coming in from clubs here and there, um, from like Norwich and one or two other Premier League clubs and a couple of Championship clubs. I think Bristol City had one recently, I believe, but. Uh, overall, I'm, I'm confident that, that Derby are putting in all the, um, you know, doing everything that they have to to keep the players safe. So yeah, it's 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 strange, but um, it does open up new opportunities. I think that there's going to be some sort of way of watching basically every game, surely, um, for as well as listening on the radio, of course. I think um, yeah, it's, it's it's a great chance for broadcasters locally and nationally to uh, to 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 not step up per se, but offer something different and, um, you know, really offer some great content to fans on match day and beyond. Will you, will you change, Chris, uh, Colsey, uh, how you approach it, what you do for Radio Derby? Obviously, strange times. Will you approach it differently? Like, like Chris just said that it's a, it's a, it's a unique opportunity, isn't it? To, to, to get your content out there and you'll probably be reaching people that go home and away. My dad, and the mm. three or four people he goes with who have been going like 15, 20 years without missing a game, you're going to tap into yeah. to, 
to supporters that you wouldn't normally listen are you going to approach it differently yeah it, it, it's it's a good one and and you very much have to look at it in a in a in a very management speak kind of way what can we do that is different what can we do that offers something different to the fan that that won't have listened to us for a while and you know there are two schools of thought you think well actually we quite like the product we have and we quite like what we offer so we keep that going and just make sure that you 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 are on top of your game and and the little things that matter to fans you are on top of or do you think well no we've got a great chance now just to we can use this two months to to reflect on what we do and what works and what doesn't work and then really go at it certainly from my perspective it, it's been a real chance to to as as i say tap into those fans that aren't there but also tap into the fans that are, are very prevalent on social media in particular. We know local radio has um, a, a, a stigma is the wrong word, but it's attached to an older audience and people that listen to local radio tend to be of a certain age. Whereas we know that social media is massive now. And I'm sure you guys know the same with, with your podcast that if you can, if you can break that particular market, then you've got, you've got every chance of, of, of tapping into a whole new um, a whole new market there. So we're, we're, I think we'll go big on, on the social media side and see if we can win some fans over that way. We, we've, we've always got a, we've always had a good team, Blakey, even you included, you know, and, and, and you, you play a massive part in, in our social Stop media. It. Well, <laughs> better get that in. Um, we've got Eric Steele, who is, is undoubtedly um, a the of the arts in terms of what he can offer, his insight, his, his ability to, to, to see and, and to, and to paint pictures. And, and we know that in Ed as well, we've got, you know, Mr. Derby County and, and someone who is, is very passionate about what he does and, and can call the big moments fantastically well. So I, I, yeah, I think we've, we've, we've got a pretty strong product and we just got to hope that we can, we can bring it to a new audience and see where it goes. I'm just curious, Chris, sorry, Blake to step on your toes here, just like a media no, point on. of view, like what's, um, have you spoken to the club much about how things might be different? Like, how's it going to work with, say, like pre-match presses with Koku and that sort of thing? Like, is yeah. you going to do those on Zoom like we're doing this? Or well, very much so. Uh, I mean, at time of recording, uh, we we did a, a virtual press conference with Martin Waghorn uh, via Zoom. So so Martin was in his in his front room. Uh, we had myself and, and David Jackson from EMT, Steve Nicholson and Ryan Conway from the from the DET and the and the Athletic. Um, it, it worked surprisingly well, it, so well that we, we we were thinking this is better than actually spending two hours going to the press conference and waiting for the players to turn up. It was great and it worked perfectly. Yeah, we, we've had plenty of dialogue with the club and, and they've had plenty of dialogue with the EFL as well. The guidelines they've sent through have obviously had to be strict and, and easy to follow. Derby are in a very good position that they have a, they're a very good club. They've got a very good setup. They've got a, uh, lots of people that know what they're doing in, in the right places. So they were never going to worry too much about that. Um, but yeah, it is different. We've got social distancing post-match interviews. So Ed will be there with his, his big old boom mic to speak to Philip Koku. I um, love that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, temperature checks everywhere we go. Um, so th there's lots of things that are in place that will take some getting used to, mainly for Ed because he'll be the one going to, to all these grounds. But uh, but yeah, Derby uh, and all the championship clubs and the Premier League clubs are, are very, very, they've been very strict with us to say, look, these are the guidelines. You absolutely have to follow these, which is fair enough. How was how was Waggy today? I mean, I mean, he did a brilliant podcast a few weeks. Can't remember who it was with, but um, did a brilliant podcast a few weeks ago. I, I was on good form. <laughs> he's great, isn't he, Waggy? Yeah, he's brilliant. He's um, the club are lucky that they've got. I think several players that they can rely on to whatever the situation. 
if, if Derby have lost, Curtis Davis will do it. No problems at all. Yeah. Absolutely fine. Um, if, if you need a bit of filler, then Waggy is great because he, he is just one of those charismatic people that it doesn't matter what story he's telling you, he's got the ability to, to, to spin it really well. Yeah. Um, and he was great, actually. It was, was fascinating because he's spoken quite candidly recently about his mental health and, and how lockdown has really, has really taken its toll on, on several players and, and how they've, they've managed to keep busy. And, and again, he, he said the club have been great in making sure the players are in good fitness and they've got stuff to do. Um, and he's just, yeah, he, he just absolutely cannot wait to, to get going again. Um, and he spoke in, interestingly too about his targets because he's, you know, Derby's top goal scorer. He's got 12 goals this season and, and how he recognises that there is a real chance for Derby to actually do something pretty special because of the games coming up, they've got so many of the top, so well, the, the teams above them to play, and many of them away from home where Derby haven't been strong. He reckons that they can do something without the pressure of the fans. So, yeah, bring it on, be interesting. That's something I'm going to touch on a little bit more later. But just before we do, what was what was Waggy like when he came on Steve Bloomer's washing, Chris? Yes, yeah, similar to what to what Chris has said there. Like he's. Um... It's, it's funny you mentioned Curtis Davis. We we had sort of chatted to the club because we had Curtis on before, and I, I spoke to him about having Curtis on again. But um, I think that they do rely on Curtis Davis for quite a lot of their media commitments, don't they? And I think it sort of had got to a point where Curtis Davis has spoken to basically every so many different outlets in the space of the first four weeks of lockdown that they said, you know, is there anyone else you'd like to speak to? So <laughs> we, uh, we actually, we spoke to Waggy instead and uh, yeah, he was, he was, he was top drawer. He's, um, he doesn't take himself too seriously. I don't think he's like, he's quite humble. He's quite mm-hmm. down to earth. We did a little quiz with him where we had to try and, where Tom tried to guess how many goals he scored and he got it spectacularly wrong and Waggy didn't take it too personally. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, he, he, he was a good sport. He, uh, he joined in. Um, and it's difficult not to like him, really, isn't it? Really, like you, you look at his, his personal life and the sort of guy he is, and the way he goes, the way he carries himself, and the way he plays the game. And yeah, it's, it's quite hard not to think that he's a he's a, he's a good egg, as uh, as they say. Yeah, it's it's an opportunity, like we said, to um, for media, for for the people that are um, reporting on the games to to really step up. But I, I feel as a Derby fan. Just with my Derby fan hat on, looking into into the club, I feel like it's a a real opportunity for the the players that have been on the fringes, the the brilliant academy lads that are coming through, to come through and play at Pride Park with there's still pressure, obviously, but with no fans there, like the Morgan Whitakers, the people that have stepped up but haven't quite got there yet. I f- I feel like it's a it could be one of the things where we look back and go, well, thank God lockdown happened because mm. because of that we got. Whitaker, Sibley, Brown. We got all these players coming through. Do you think? Do you think Colsey? Like we can. Yeah. I, I can't. I can't put it into words exactly, but it feels like a real opportunity. I think you make a good point, and actually, one of the things that Martin Wycon said to us was that some of the team do love playing in front of fans. They feed off it, and 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 without the fans, that they're not. They can't quite get to that level. But he also said there are lots of players that don't enjoy playing in front of fans. Mm-hmm. You mentioned all those players. I think the biggest one is Florian Josephson because the number of times of we hear from players and they say he's brilliant in training he's untouchable the skills the pace the finishing he's sensational now you tell most Rams fans that and they'll say we ain't seen it we've seen it in glimpses he played Mm. well the last 15 or so in the playoff final Um, and then under Frank Lampard especially he'd get games he'd be anonymous off he'd come we didn't see him then for two months and then he'd come back again for 10 minutes didn't really do much and that would be it and again in in the games that they've played Derby 
uh, by all accounts, Josef Soon has been very, very good. So you wonder whether this is the perfect scenario for him. There are no fans on his back. And all those youngsters, yeah, I think you're right. Whitaker has had a, a sort of stop-start beginning to his, his fledgling Derby career, not helped probably by the, the heights that the others have reached. So Max Bird and Jason Knight and, and Jaden Bogle in particular. So uh, I think Whitaker is, is, is probably not helped by the fact those have reached so, so great heights. But I think you're right. It, it'll be fascinating to see the players that thrive on it, that, that really enjoy playing without the pressure of the fans, but also those that maybe need that little bit of an edge. Someone like Tom Lawrence, for instance, I know he's got a love-hate relationship, but I've always felt that when, when, when the fans do give him a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a, uh, little bit of chip, he, he can turn that into a positive and, and turn in some of his better performances. We'll see. This is the beauty of it. We just don't know. We'd just wait and see. Yeah, you've seen it with Lawrence that he almost uh, thrives on having something to prove sometimes, yeah. doesn't he? And there's, there's literally been goals that he scored where he's celebrated and sort of done this and, and sort of given yeah. it large to the fans about, uh, you know, about getting on his back. So maybe, uh, yeah, you, you don't know whether it will be a good thing or a bad thing for him. But yeah, on, just to add on Whitaker, I think somebody mentioned on Twitter the other day, like they, they sort of pulled up his goal record for the, the 18s and the 23s. And it's like, it's unbelievable. He's, he's almost a goal a game man. But... It, since stepping up, he just, as you say there, hasn't quite looked ready for first-team men's football that often. And yeah, I've been at games where he played. Like, I think he, did he come on against Palace in the Cup? Or did he start that game? And yeah, he was, he was getting some pretty unpleasant comments, which you just really don't like to see and hear from fans trying to encourage a young lad from the local area trying to make his way in the game. But yeah, maybe no one being there might really take the pressure off his shoulders um, and, and maybe he'll really thrive. And yeah, Yosezun's a, a fascinating one. I heard that he, uh, he, he scored in one, of the, in, in one of those training games against Stoke, um, which is what, his first goal for Derby in what, about, <laughs> about a year but, um, or six months. But yeah, I, I, it'd be fascinating to see him really hit the heights and, and offer something different because he's a player that we just haven't really had value money out of whatsoever since he joined it's um he's a player when Koku came in as well it looked like a bit of a match made in heaven like coming in got Yossam soon here you got Root and he just never quite hit he's never quite hit the heights and like we say it could be the the playing and the crowd getting on his back um it's, it's a massive it's a massive step up 23 is the first team is a massive step up so but a lot of that step up might be I'm absolutely shitting myself. I've got to walk out in front of 30,000 people tomorrow. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's what I mean. So a lot of them, those academy lads, I think, I really think we're going to get three or four lads that come through now off the back of this that really go on and, and kick on. Who's, Chris, who's, who's impressed you coming through um, that you've in seen? Terms of, in terms of the players who lads. have, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, yeah, you look at the, the, the guys that are basically starters now. Um, it's, I find Max Bird really interesting because uh, I think we've talked on our podcast before about how he just like looked a bit out of his depth when, when Lampard threw him in and, and it looked a bit short when he got a few minutes under Rowett in the Cup a couple of years ago. But um, we literally said in our, in our latest pod that, that's coming out soon that he... Um, you know, he, he, the way that he's he's come on since playing alongside Rooney in, in like in, in front of the back four, uh, it's just been a just been a joy to watch. He, he seems to be improving every single game. Like the way he sort of moves with his head up and carries the ball with his head up and, and plays those little wall passes with Rooney and 
and and and how he's developed physically and how he uses the ball and and his and his spatial awareness just he's uh he's he's come on absolute leaps and bounds um and yeah don't get me wrong it's it's difficult not to be impressed by people like Sibley when he when he bangs in screamers like the one against Blackburn and 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 Knight seems to be like sort of all action and and really energetic and he's got something about him as well and he's got goals as well but yeah I think Bird is just quietly turning into what could be like a real sort of Rolls-Royce midfielder I think or hope sort of shades of shades of Jeff Hendrick about him I don't know I don't know what you two guys think about that yeah he's, he's he is very similar to Jeff the only thing is, is different is the stature obviously of of how Jeff kind of motored through but yeah Max the way Bird's improved has been incredible incredible the one for me is I've always liked Sibley and I don't know what it is about him but it's he's, he's kind of got an extra an extra something to his game where he, he's not scared of yeah he's 18 19 he's not scared of getting stuck in and it's not just the banging one in from 25 yards he'll, he'll get the rough and tumble of it and getting in and and when you step it up into into well you say men's football but that's what it is. He, he, you're making a step up into men's football and you've got to put yourself about a little bit. And I've always been impressed the few times I've seen Sibley that he really, yeah, he's kind of, he's kind of got that. Uh, he don't, yeah. he, he's not really bothered. He just, yeah, it's, it's what you need. Yeah, as, as you said, making that step from 23s, and even in, in Sibley's case, when he's he's yeah. still eligible for the you know for the 18s, and I think he did play quite a big part in in the in the 19s a journey to the to the, the UEFA Youth League. Uh, and, and their excellent run but you're right and I think Philip Cocker has spoken before about uh, it, he's been asked a few times are you worried about Sibley's as you say that bite because it, it, in men's football maybe you know it just takes a savvy midfielder to stand on him or give him a little bit of an elbow yeah, and, exactly. reacts and then you lose a player and we know Philip Cocker is very wary of that Christian Bielik has, has, has fallen foul of, of Philip Cocker's um, yeah. uh, sort of fragility when it comes to, to things like that so but he said no you you that's something you can't teach if, if, if you have that swagger and that arrogance then you need that and they will they won't they won't be trying to to to, to lessen that from uh, from Sibley's game because it, it's so important and and yeah if you can have that that swagger and arrogance then and we saw it against Blackburn then you've got you've got every chance it, uh, yeah I can't wait to see him I, I it, if he can pick up where he left off then he's got every chance and on on yeah Max Bird Jason I, I always feel that Jaden Bogle needs a nod at this point because he is that age he is 19 I think he's only two or three months older or perhaps even younger than, than Max Bird and Jason Knight and I think we forget actually what a couple of seasons Jaden has had because he burst onto the scene under Frank Lampard. And I don't think any of us envisaged what a good season he had. And he was, he was excellent going forward. And I know that this season, there have been a few question marks over his defending. And, and albeit in the game against Huddersfield, Philip Koku then said he needs to be switched on when he comes off the bench. So Philip Koku has taken him out the firing line. But still, where he's come from, the goal he scored against Stoke, I think he he he's always forgotten because he now feels like a member of the first team squad, but he is still of of that age. And I think it's shown with the, the sort of interest that's been in him from some Premier League clubs. But uh, but yeah, I, I, Bird, Bogle, Sibley, we're seeing the fruits of, of what Derby have said for a while that their academy is they've put money into it, and now they're they're hoping that they can they can really profit from it. And that's not just selling players; that's getting as Mel Morris wants fifty percent of next season's starting 11 being from the academy I think we all laughed at that when he said it now you can kind of see it if you throw in Bogle okay a few arguments about whether Bogle counts because Derby got him from Swindon but certainly Sibley and Knight and Bird I don't know Huddleston but that doesn't really count 
But there's every. <laughs> we'll claim that. Yeah, we'll you, claim might, that. you may as well claim it. Yeah, I think there's there's every chance that that Mel's dream that is is could become a reality, and he's got the best man for it in Philip Cocker, who also believes in in that way of of progressing a football club. What do you think, Chris? Um, I was going to ask a question off the back of that of going into this into well, we say going into the summer, it'll be going into well, almost autumn, but. <laughs> If you're Chris Parsons, Derby County manager, you've got the young lads coming through. Uh, you've got Mel above you wants 50% um, of, the, of the academy, of the first team being academy players. What do you do? What do you think Derby need? I mean, Derby could get in the playoffs, win the playoffs and be in the Premier League next season. But realistically, we're probably not going to. So if, if it was your, yeah, your side now, what do you need? <laughs> no, exactly. Well, yeah, I'm being diplomatic. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's... Um... Yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult. And uh, yeah, as, as Chris has said, like, it did seem a bit pie in the sky when Mel Morris said that in, uh, when Paul Clement was manager in 2015. But uh, yeah, Sibley looks at his current rate of development like he could be a certain starter next season, especially with possibly Rooney taking more of a backseat and maybe going for more of a coaching role. Uh, Bird, as we've talked about, looks, uh, looks to be a certain starter. Knight, I would probably say so I think Knight's probably got more competition for his place I guess uh, although that depends where Koku puts you know puts Dwayne Holmes and where he puts Bielik. Uh so that's that's definitely three and Bogle as well then you look a bit further down I know that uh, there's those three lads who've been training with the first team recently um, uh, Jamal Hector Ingram uh, Jordan Brown and um, Joe Bateman I think I'm, I'm not I'm going to hold my hands up and say you know I don't know a huge amount about about them as a trio but I gather that uh, Hector Ingram has, has got a pretty impressive youth record so maybe I mean whether or not Chris Martin is going to be here in a few months time and whether there's a there's a, there's there's shoes to to fill there see you're crossing your fingers rightly so um <laughs> whether you know whether Jack Marriott can can find his, his shooting boots again in the next few weeks but there might be might be an opportunity there for for Hector Ingram, so he could be another one. Um, I think it's my understanding that Bateman and Brown are uh, more defensive players, and I think, I, I guess, this leads on to where we're looking in the summer. And I think I don't, I don't know about you guys, I don't know about you, Colsey, but I, I, I imagine if well, if I was manager, I'd probably be going for Bielik and Tverik as the as the centre backs next year, because I know that Bielik has talked about centre back being yeah. his favourite position. Uh, so I don't really know where that leaves space for someone like Bateman or Brown to 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 slot in and to make up that that extra person to make up half the team. Yeah, no, I agree. I I, I can see. I, I can certainly see that because yeah, Bielik did say that that was where he that was his position. That's that was very much where he preferred to play. Certainly in his Arsenal days and when he was on loan at Birmingham City, he was a centre back. A Charlton pushed him further forward. I think at that level, he was he's a very good footballer. So they thought we can utilise him. And yeah, he didn't seem didn't seem overly comfortable, did he, when he played in that defensive midfield role? Uh, you could see the strengths that he had, and he could certainly pass the ball well and move it about. But you just never got the impression that he was completely comfortable. So yeah, with the emergence of of, of Max Bird in particular, and as you say, Wayne Rooney, who will probably, you'd suspect, as the, as the months roll on, get deeper and deeper. Um, you might think, well, Bielik is perfect in his, in his centre-back home. So, yeah, I can, I can see that. It's funny you mentioned the next nine games, because you, if you would have said Derby fans, what's the best thing that can happen now for Derby County moving forward? And actually, the best thing is, 
and I feel like I'm committing lots of crimes saying this, is lose to Millwall right off the season then for playoffs. Use these eight games now. Just, just have a look to see if you can compete with some of these youngsters. There's some big old games coming up, we know. Forest and Leeds and, and West Brom and Brentford. Sorry, you're not allowed to swear on the podcast. Can't say that word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, not Forest, as I keep being told that I have to call them. Um, but then, you know, but obviously no football fan wants to lose games. And, and whilst that gap remains five points, then it, it's always going to be a carrot. But you just think, uh, yeah, for the benefit of, of, of... And given the gap between this season and next season is so small, Great thing to get some of these monsters in and around it and, and experience it. Because as you say, you just don't know what's going to happen. We know that contracts have been offered to Chris Martin and, and Tom Huddleston, um, but remain unsigned at the moment. So, yeah, it, it, interesting. But yeah, defence and goalkeeper's got to be the one as well. I think that you need a conversation about the goalkeeper because Ben Hayman going back to Huddersfield. Keller Roos, I get the impression they're still, mm, they're not sure about Keller. And you, you can hardly say that he's he's really put himself forward to cement that that number one jersey so I, I think they'd be looking at that position if you're if you're moving if you're trying to think one position that Derby needs to strengthen right, um, I want to end this by like, nine games away from the end of Koku's first season Chris I'll start with you how would you assess from my point of view Koku's first season he's probably had Four or five massive incidents that no Derby manager has ever had to deal with. He's transitioning between getting rid of some big name players and bringing the academy through. I think he's the perfect head to be doing it, and I think he's done a steady job. But how would you assess his first season? Yeah, you, you, you summed up pretty well there. Really, uh, I think it has been a bit of a season of of two halves. I think that there are some so many low points in the first half of the season. You think about. We talked about before we started all the, the various 3-0 gubbings that the Derby got before Christmas away from home and then the, the Forest League Cup uh, team selection debacle and uh, everything else that happened before Christmas, like the, the, the crash and, uh, and all that stuff. But then after Christmas, I think we, um, we're what, a top six team on paper in the form table, if, you know, since the turn of the year. So um, overall, you have to say he has handled it like as, as well as he possibly could really. He hasn't been dragged into any, uh, any, um, any, any sort of daft stuff in the press really. He's, he's been very dignified. Uh, he's kept himself together. Um, and in terms of the on the field stuff, I think in the last five to 10 games, you have been able to see what he is trying to do. Like you've seen uh, the sort of goals that he's wanted us to score, like goals that involve like, like high press and that, like short, neat passing from from the from the attacking players, and I think yeah, tactically, it is just starting to come together, and that was one of the frustrating parts that that football did stop when it did because we did seem like we were sort of starting to click just when things finished. I like the style of football he's trying to get us to play, and I just hope that whatever happens with these last nine games, I think the building blocks are in place for us to really kick on next season and uh, and become challengers. Cozy, first season. Is this your third season? Uh, uh, two and yeah, a half. Two and a half, yeah. So halfway through Rowett and then Lampard and then Koku. Yeah, I, I, I like Chris. It's difficult not to not to not like him, so to speak. He's very, very likeable and he comes across and as such a measured and calm 
uh, individual. He's obviously decorated as a player. I, I think what really was very harsh on him was that Frank Lampard's season was such a roller coaster and it had everything and it nearly ended in the perfect manner. And I think because Philip Koku isn't Frank Lampard and he didn't come with starting the bounce and, and Frank knew how to play the game and he knew that you know he could speak in these quite catchy sound bites and, and he, he was very media savvy. Obviously his time with, with uh, BT helped. So Philip wasn't, isn't Frank Lampard and, and, and I think really struggled for the first two or three months to connect with the fans and, and, and the number of times, I mean, Blakey, you'll know full well that we got, oh, just why can't he wave at the fans? You know, why can't he smile at the fans? Why can't yeah. he start the bounce? And, and I think it, 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 it did take a while for that, the message to get across that he isn't Lampard. He's not going to do these things because that's just not the way Philip Koku is. Um, and you're right, and, and Chris touched on it, really. It, it, it's only when you look back at the things he's had to deal with that you think, oh, of course, he had that. And then it was that. And then it was that. And it, it, it wasn't just the, the drink-drive incident. He did lose his captain. Whether you liked him or loathed him, he was a mainstay mm. of Derby County. He was a voice in the dressing room. And, and Philip Cocker agreed. And that's why he carried on in that position. Uh, and, and to lose him was a blow. And then you had all the off-field talk about takeovers and... And then the, the, the story of the players not getting paid on time. And then the EFL charge. And he's had so much to, to deal with. All of this whilst trying to mould a football team that we hear it every season needs a different, needs a change. We need a transition season. And, and yet fans just dislike transition seasons because for them that means that, that's a, that you may as well, you know, fluff up a, we're not very good this season. Let's call it a transition season. But I think if you are going to go down this way, then you have to get used to to some of the the things that happened, and he never really. And, and Chris mentioned the three nil defeats, and and I'd often be you know, and Craven Cottage and Griffin Park and the City Ground and all of the others, Charlton, be walking down thinking, what what can I ask him this time that's different from the last time? You know, what, what can I possibly say that is is different to last time? Because you'd often say, well, why has this happened? And it's happened again, Philip. So. Can you understand why now the, the anger is a little bit more palpable because you can't keep letting this happen? Um, and I think only once, I think it was only the Brentford game. Where I was about to say the Brentford game when he, he actually came out and said, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. The Derby were three down in no chance. And it reminded me very much of, of, of Lampard when, and mentioned the Max Bird game, when Villa beat Derby 4-0 and they were 4-0 up at half time. And it was ironic because it was a couple of weeks after Frank Lampard had given the old, well, there's lots of negativity in and around the club. Which, you know, to this day, as Blake as we know, that was genuinely not aimed at anyone in particular. That was Frank being a little bit mischievous and going, I can just change a few mindsets here. Um, and obviously lots of people thought, well, it was X, Y and Z. Fine, Frank's done his job there. He's got the fans now just questioning their own little, or oh, maybe we are too negative. Maybe so-and-so is too negative. Anyway, they lose 4-0 at Villa, 4-0 down at half time. And even Frank afterwards, I think, realised, I can't, I need to just tone it down and I need to be there going, that's not good enough. That's just not good enough. And by all accounts, I think he had quite the um, quite the the, uh, the few words for his team after that. And I think Philip was the same. After Brentford, he realised that he couldn't. He had to just go in a little bit. And every manager has it. Rowitz was the four-one Sunderland home defeat. Yeah, the Friday night. Yeah. Lampard's was the four-nil Villa, and I think Cockers was the three-nil Brentford. And that was him going. I can't keep. You know, I can't keep this up. Um, 
but yeah, I, I've got nothing but respect for him and, and from what he's had to deal with and what he's doing for the club and, and all the incidents that have happened off the field, I think have just solidified maybe a little bit more respect from the Derby fans because they realise he's had so much to deal with. Um, and I think Chris is right. This, this next nine games in the summer, I think there will be an element of, right, OK, we, we've started something here. Let's go and carry it on. Let's see if we can take some momentum into next season. Let's see the young kids really flourish. Um, and 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 see where it where it goes. And I think he's got a he's got a good mix. And his backroom team deserve a lot of credit as well. You know, Twan Shepherds is very much the the, the charismatic one of the trio that, that the fans can get behind, and the players love him. And you can see why Chris Van Der Veerden is the quiet thinker. And you know, you can see how the three of them really work together because of the different characters and the different personalities. And I think it, it you'd like to think that that Derby can really profit now from from the Philip Koku era. But results dictate it, sadly, as we know. And, and, and as, 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 as much as we'd like to think that Philip has a job here for a while because of, of the various things going on, we know that it, it just doesn't work like that. So we shall see. It's, uh, it's going to be so, so interesting. Uh, even, even now, Derby playing on Saturday and it still feels like it's about three months away. Yeah. So, so thank, you. thank you so much, both of you, because... Um, Chris from Steve Bloomer's Washing Podcast go and listen to that podcast if you've not before because it is brilliant um, it's actually, it's, that's a proper podcast this is just me messing about in my bedroom interviewing my mates from Derby that's a proper mate, podcast we don't, have, uh, we don't have porn stars in our podcast that's, that's, you know, you can't, can't argue with that <laughs> yeah that's a great shot yeah, I've still not heard about the audition <laughs> I asked for um, <laughs> but no genuinely really appreciate it and really appreciate your time um, go and check out that podcast and Colsey Good, mate, thank you First time we've been allowed on to do anything together, isn't it? It's another day in the office, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, brilliant, brilliant. I'll tell you what, if you're not allowed to do it on the air, we'll just, I'll make my own podcast, we'll do it together, mate. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to ask you both quickly, because I'm in a, a real Derby County nostalgia mood for your favourite Derby County memory. I think I know what Coles's will be, but I don't know what yours will be, Chris. What, what's your favourite Derby County memory? Um, what, one... Like one that was there for in person, or like just just generally? Yeah, uh, yeah, go, yeah, go in person because mine's the mine's the two the Chris Commons game that I like to refer to as two 0 down, three uh, two, FA Cup fourth round replay. Go on to play oh, Man yeah, United. The, yeah, it must have been a special day. Yeah, for me, the, the end of the Billy Davis season when we snuck past Southampton in the playoffs, and mm. I was like, I've, I've got to get there. I've got to get to Wembley. The ticket sold out straight away. I somehow bagged one of those Club Wembley seats. Cost me like 100 quid. And I was like, if we lose, it's going to be the worst 100 pounds I've ever spent. It's going to feel like a fortune. Um, but, you know, we're right behind it when Stephen Pearson slid in on that Giles Barnes cross shot. We all went nuts. 40,000 Derby fans going completely spare in, in, the, uh, in the rain, I think it was. And yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, it was, um, it was just absolutely unbelievable. No, no, nothing's really topped that for me since. I can let's remember just, that let's just not talk about what happened the season after. Yeah, that season never happened. I can remember being given £10 to spend that day by, from a nana uh, to spend at Wembley, and it was that cold and horrible. I, I went to JD Sports on Wembley Way and bought some gloves. That's what I spent <laughs> it. It was, it, and it was, it, was that, it was freezing cold at the end of May. It was freezing cold, chuck it down the rain. But, and we should have lost. If you like the when. Um, I, th- I think it was oh it was Dean Leacock that said oh, they, about they it they battered us they absolutely battered yeah. us and I think that's what made it that's what made it even sweeter somehow the fact that we, we somehow were, well I'm not going to use the S or I'm not going to swear but we were somehow vastly inferior in that game and in the playoffs and in large parts of that season but uh, yeah it was a, a glorious day even if you ignore what happened 
the following year. Yeah. Colsey, I think I know what you're going to say, and it's my number two, but go on. Oh, the, uh, the one little home defeat to Millwall. Hey, easy, easy. Oh, tapping, tapping, tapping at the back post. Well, the obvious one is the obvious one is the obvious one, isn't it? And I, I, that's that's. I've been fortunate to to be at some incredible games, not involving Derby, but that one. I, I can't think of a game that has just played with the emotions as much as that one did, because of the backstory, because of everything that happened before it, because of the first leg. Just everything about it was was just phenomenal, and I think I've, I've probably seen that game more often than any other game that I've I've, I've watched. Just because you you get transported back straight away to the emotion, and I'd love watching Stuart Dallas score, knowing what you know is going to happen. And it, yes, it, it, just that moment of because we all thought that was it. Well, that was it. Two nil leads, game over. Dwayne Holmes goes off, and that's it. And it's just, but I still never forget. And the Leeds documentary did it perfectly. Yeah. Marriott swing, and we felt it. And 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 if, if the people at the ground and, and Blakey were there, you knew Leeds had gone. Amazingly, one goal, one goal had changed the whole dynamic of that game, and then it was just going through the gears. And 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 yeah, I mean the young guns, Mason Mount. I know you had Tony Mount on your podcast, Blake. Just fantastic. And I love how Derby is such a big part of both of their lives now. Even Tony yeah. Mount going we and us. I think that's great. Uh, yeah, Pat Wilson as well. Um, but uh, uh, we all know about this game. The two that stand up very quickly from that season, though, that still I think massive for me. Bristol City away. I just remember the relief coming back from that game. It's massive. It was must win. Whoever won it was pretty much guaranteed. I know Derby had Swansea the week after, and they were brilliant that day because they hadn't been. They'd been meandering Derby. I think they drew three 0 with Brentford. They drew with Birmingham, and it was this was the big game. And Bristol City. You know, they fancied it. And Derby were great that day. Bogle scores a great goal to, to wrap it up. And actually then, similarly, the game that got Derby into the playoffs, the West Brom game. So I remember that was, there was, there was a different feel that day. There was just hope rather than belief because West Brom were obviously ensconced in the playoffs. And that moment when um, Johansson scores and it's 1-1 and you're thinking, oh dear. And then Bennett and Wilson wrap it up. And I just remember the, do you remember the post-match? I think it was a jubilant Pride Park because now it was a feeling of whatever happens now, it's been a good yeah. season. It's just it's a free it. And it was brilliant yeah. because it was a nice day. The players were out with their kids. Uh, Christine was there with, with, with Frank's youngsters. And I just remember thinking, this is great. Everyone is, is just buzzing as the modern day parlance is. And I remember thinking that day, great. Whatever happens now, it's been a fantastic season. And obviously then it got, it topped. It went up a lot with Leeds and then went down a bit with Villa. But yeah. I can remember the commentary from the, that West Brom game. And it was mission accomplished. Derby have got to the playoffs. And there was that feeling about it that it was, right, Lampard's mission accomplished. Lampard, you've got Derby in the playoffs. And then it was kind of free it now. Yeah. And then, there was, and then they, they, were, they were poor against Leeds in the first leg, but the second leg just... It's amazing how a free hit changes after 10 minutes, isn't it? It, it suddenly didn't... <laughs> yeah. Come on then, let's get, into the, let's get to the final. Like, it's, the, it's the minimum we expect. Yeah. No, as I say, that, I put it on Twitter the other day. Like, that, 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 I can't think of a game that will beat that, just for the pure emotion of it, that, that Leeds night. And can still vividly remember sort of every, every moment of that second half, really. Um, and certainly the end, just, you know, you, there was the come down, like the, well, the, the buzz afterwards lasted days. It was just phenomenal. Incredible. Incredible. I'm going to go, I'm actually going to go now and watch that on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen oh, it? Right? It's got, it's, I think it's got, it's got millions of views. I mean, it, probably yeah, all the but it's, it's incredible how many views it's got. Well, Darwin made history. Yeah, first team to 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 lose a home first leg and go and do it. It's just just incredible, incredible. I could talk all night about it, but 
<laughs> I've kept enough of your time. So Chris Parsons, Steve Bloom is watching podcast. Thank you very much, mate. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Colsey. Nice one. It was a pleasure. Thanks, mate. See you at work. <laughs> <Nice>. well, <laughs> uh, see you Saturday. See you Saturday. Yeah, bring it on. Can't wait. Up the Rams. Up the Rams. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get you both back on when uh, after the nine games we'll, we'll reassess all the rubbish we just talked because none of it will happen. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Cheers, boys. Cheers, mate. Bye. Bye. Bye.